0: Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Kaiva podcast. Uh, I am Rukhsora, and I'm going to be your host today. Well, the Kaiva podcast is a safe space for creating meaningful conversations within APU community and beyond. The topics we discuss range from as simple as student life to even politics at times. So we have a wide range of topics, please feel free to check out our other episode and today's episode especially. So we would like to start off by uh, reminding and giving credits uh, about our team, which makes this episode possible. So... Specifically, editing teams, Eugene and Tiffany. Thanks a lot, guys. PR and marketing teams, Raz, Clara, and Ria. And, of course, graphic design team with Santi and Han. Thanks a lot, everyone, for your efforts to uh, make our podcast running and going. Dear listeners, also feel free to check out our uh, Instagram page uh, at The Kaiva Podcast username. And you can get updated on our events, on our episodes, and much more. Feel free to leave questions, comments, feedback, or any guests' uh, recommendations would also be very much welcome. Thanks a lot. So today we have a special episode uh, with uh, one of our APU professors. Well, this is Professor Ruiz, and he is a professor at the College of International Management. He's one of the most popular and innovative professors at APU, and we are more than thrilled to have him uh, on our podcast today. We would like to talk about on uh, Professor Ruiz's background, his research topics, and specifically, uh, we would like to talk more about on inclusive education and gamification Um research that he is conducting with some other professors. So, Professor Ruiz, uh, we would like to welcome you very warmly.
1: <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Kaiwa, team, Ruxora, Santi, for the invitation. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be here and uh, glad that this space exists. I mean, this is wonderful. Uh, yeah, I, I can not tell you, um, more about it, but I think we have a, we're have we going to go through that later. So I'm happy to be here.
0: Oh, thanks a lot, Professor, uh, for uh, saying yes to our invitation, for sparing some time out of your busy schedule. And we would like to have an amazing uh, conversation with you today. So most of our listeners will enjoy it as well, I hope. All right. So... Probably we can start off with a bit of uh, introduction. Uh, Professor Ruiz, could you please talk a bit more about yourself, uh, the classes you teach, your, hum- your home country of Colombia, your hobbies, and more?
1: Right, right. Thank you. So, sure. Uh, about myself, so I'm human being, person. Uh, yeah, uh, he... <laughs> his uh, pronoun, Um, what else? Um, Come from Colombia, Latin American country. It's at the north of South America. Uh, We have two oceans. Uh, I was born in, uh, let's say, maybe like the fifth or fourth fourth, uh, biggest city in the country, which is Cartagena. It's close to the beach, so kind of tourism-focused city. Uh, I'm familiar with the sea, fishes, fishery, and all that. Uh, I, I actually like Beppo has the ocean in front, so that's pretty cool. And, mm-hmm. um, and actually, my mother is from another city, uh, which is close to the mountains. So I'm happy because I have the two things I like here in Beppo, you know, the mountains and the ocean in front. So that's pretty cool. Uh, oh. But what else about myself? Uh, The things that I teach, oh yeah, year at APU will be like what my, this is my first first year in APU, I started in October last year, Uh, yeah, (laughs) I'm pretty new here, so yeah, but so far enjoying it, Uh, classes that I teach, so I'm teaching right now, uh, statistics, uh, business data analytics, venture entrepreneurship, and innovation management. And of course, seminars, I mean, you want seminars, you can also take the seminars. I come, I already explained my home country. I I talk about a lot about that. Hobbies, first one, dance. I like to dance. Uh, It it comes from, uh, uh, it can be solo. It can be a room dance. It can be also folkloric dance. So basically moving the body uh, kind of thing, uh, at the rhythm of the music. I think that's my only art. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm really bad at other stuff. I don't sing. I don't paint. So maybe dance could be over there. Um, another thing that I do is video games. I think games are unifying kind of thing, and games in general. It's I like fun things and entertaining things. Uh, so so games kind of do it uh, there for for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I like listening to Adele. She sings pretty cool. Uh, oh okay and, uh,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, and I think I think that that'll be it I mean soccer of mm-hmm. course I play soccer everyone in Colombia we first have to play soccer uh, football We I, we call it in Colombia football in UK also call it football but people in US call it soccer so mm. uh, yes. mm-hmm, those, those kind of things so I'm kind of more like I'm not not sporty but i like computers so it's for a kind of balanced person maybe mm. yeah
0: all right and i've also heard from my seminar professor actually that you play uh futsal and is oh, yeah. that much related to football i believe right
1: it is it is it is mm-hmm. actually the 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 ball is different the field size is different uh, the the body requirements are different because you need a lot of stamina to play futsal but, mm-hmm. yeah, it's almost the same. yeah, i would, I play with uh, mm-hmm. uh, with the professor. It was, he 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 was actually good. he 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 endured the whole match. I was tired at the first hour. he he, he was <laughs> able to to play well the two hours. That was amazing.
0: All right. Yeah. So, and you also mentioned that you are familiar with C. and uh, were you involved in any water sports uh, before when you were in Colombia?
1: Right, right. We we I did canoeing, uh, kind of thing. I, I was also part of the Boy Scouts, so we, we kind of do canoeing in the Boy Scouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, swimming, of course, open sea swimming. We do that too. Uh, diving without without equipment, but it's just like going down and then coming up. It's a mm-hmm. mystery over there um i think i think that about the sea uh, yeah yeah the other things i mean now like uh water motorbike those kind of things we'll just ride them for fun and and that big float that just jump and throws you to the ocean too that, that, those are just for fun so maybe mm-hmm. the the sport was canoeing kind of the only serious thing i did in the ocean and swimming Annoying, as we mean,
0: that yeah. sounds very much exciting. Yeah. And uh, the fact that you mentioned about your hobbies also uh, makes us students much more relatable to professors because we do not have that uh, very often a chance to talk with professors, especially uh, in mm-hmm. terms of their hobbies and pastimes. Uh, so having this conversation makes us, the students and professors, much more closer and being on the same page because we all have all those hobbies, especially video games, right? So yeah, that is very interesting to know. Thanks a lot. Uh, Maybe from now on, we can move on to rapid fire questions. So I'll ask you a few questions and you can either answer very quickly or not so. So whichever you prefer. Well,
1: let's see what happens.
0: Okay. you I guess touched upon uh, a bit already but uh, what is your best way to take a break from your research and academics
1: okay right now that's 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 uh that's actually a trick question because right now I play with my my baby so uh that's it's like oh professor come on something more exciting but yeah uh, that's, that's like, the like thing that I do but uh, when 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 I was, it, it, it changed over time. I, at the beginning, I used to go club dancing like whole night, kind of thing. Raving crazy, but just dancing by myself. That's something I used to do. Uh, then eating with friends too. That was in my, uh, when I was student, in my lab as a student. Kind of exploring other, other countries, like uh, with a friend of Palestine. Let's go to eat Palestinian food. Friend from India, let's go eat Indian food. But to, to Indian places, you know, original places, that kind of hide hidden places. Uh, another thing that I used to do was playing games, sure. I used to play a lot of League of Legends. I wanted to get gold, and I got gold. Uh, so the, those were kind of things I used to do to to unwind. And there was, of course, a time that I used to read books. When I didn't have money to pay internet, I, I mostly uh, read books. So that's kind of the thing that I used to do Mm -hmm. to wine.
0: Okay. Thanks a lot for that. And one of the perks of being in the diverse team or diverse uh, environment of education is also having an opportunity to taste different cuisines, right? As you mentioned. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So... Another one. What is your favorite food to cook for your ha- for your family if you cook or to get for your family?
1: Cool. So the one that I cook is 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 a chicken chicken breast, but I uh, kind of simmer it with uh, various vegetables and a tamarind juice. Tamarind juice with a little bit of green Thai curry. So it's gonna be. Bit, sweet and salty I, I like to put all this taste over there so that that's the the, the the one I like to to cook for them with some rice and carrots and teas uh, that's the one that I cook for them uh, when I when I have time and when when they ask me to cook uh, okay. yeah and that, that'll be, that'll be for it yeah
0: mm, okay so quite Again, diverse kind of flavor profiles yeah, in the, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the uh, meal. That's lovely. Yeah. Especially as we're getting closer to the lunchtime. So <laughs> that's <laughs> a good appetizer <laughs> reminder, actually. Okay. Uh, how many languages do you speak, Professor?
1: Good. So, well, that just like professionally, I think only English and, and, and Spanish, like professionally, professionally, but I can understand Japanese. I can go classes in japanese maybe i'll get 70 percent the first hour then after that one my brain will go decreasing over time so it's going to go down after the first hour of uh, listening to japanese uh, i can speak too i can get myself uh, exp- I mean, i can explain my ideas in japanese but not professionally you know not like going to a conference and kind of explaining the way they do and all topic point one, point two, and there is this kind of of I know the authority that they have and protocols that they have for the presentation that I still don't master, but I I can of course go and and explain things to someone in Japanese. So those those three will be the ones I can understand because of Latin heritage. We can understand French a little bit, Portuguese like a lot. We can speak with Brazilians uh, or Portuguese no problem. Uh, we understand each other even though we don't speak the same language. And Italians you can you can understand italians uh, uh, whether they are cursing you or telling you good things you can tell that it's because we we have the same roots so those mm-hmm. those were the language so you know students if you speak style italian portuguese or french don't speak bad things close to me because i will understand <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that was a nice warning there <laughs> yeah okay um Spanish is a beautiful language uh I was uh, I had a chance to take uh Spanish one and two uh at APU but then it's been quite a while since I took them and uh mostly I'm afraid to say that but uh I mostly forgot oh I mean I mostly forgot the classes I mean the the way we use the language so far right. because the more you don't use the language the worse you get at it I guess so yeah. yeah but still oh, yeah. it's a beautiful one yeah yeah i would do love to remember... continue learning it
1: do you remember at least ola or
0: yes "Hola, como estas
1: okay. ah, good, good, <laughs>
0: good.
1: <Yeah>. excellent <laughs> nice. with that you can you just say that and smile and you you want the the mm. conversation and people can start speaking by themselves they be yeah <laughs>
0: the interesting thing is, actually, I think if I review uh, a few times uh, the things that we were taught, uh, probably I can handle the language because the structure, the grammar structure of the language is pretty similar to that of Russian language which I speak and okay. uh, yeah, and the words are pretty much similar with the words of English and right
1: yeah. right yeah yeah, yeah.
0: That's a good one. Um, next probably can be uh, Beppu Life or Tokyo Life. Which one would you prefer for a long-term living?
1: Can I commute between the two? No? <laughs> <laughs> <Of course. laughs> yeah, because that's what we're doing actually right now. Because my wife and I, we both, we love Tokyo. I mean, for, for doing things, uh, entertainment and... Um, I mean, getting to see new stuff, meeting new people, Tokyo is better as if it, it, of course it's noisy, but it feels alive, uh, at least from our point of view. Right now, Beepo is cool because we're raising a kid, so it's safer for, for, for our boy, it's less noisy, less contamination, more nature and all that, so it, it's good for this moment, but when we were students and when we were uh, not parents, then Tokyo definitely will win the prize. So what we do right now is that, okay, we're living in Beppu in a kind of slow pace place, less contamination and all that. And then, of course, we go to Tokyo uh, every time that we can. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. That was an interesting answer. <laughs> um, and then just... A random thing. Uh, What is your favorite choice from APU Cafeteria's uh, menu? (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know that uh, normally uh, I take, uh, uh, I would take the Thai Kare normally. But after I went to my human dog medical exam, now I cannot use to uh, eat too much fat. So now I'm taking uh, the chicken steaky or the, what was the other one? The... Tandoori chicken. Uh-huh. And then I take it with sakoku, sakoku S. Uh-huh. Uh, miso. Miso is good for your health. Good bacteria. It's going to help you a lot. Everything that has uh, fermented things is good. So miso, I recommend it. Uh, cool. More for winter right now. It's going to be cool. I mean, nice. To have this warm miso in, in, in your body. And so I think that's my normal goal. So I'll be, will uh, be yeah, the chicken Quest, a miso. That'll be my my normal. I yeah. wait in coop. If someone for the coop is listening, I beg you, please bring back the takoraisu. Bring back takoraisu.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, most of your choices are very much healthy, and thank you very much for promoting <laughs> healthy food, healthy eating habits. And uh, yeah, if anyone from the cafeteria uh, management or administration is listening to us (laughs) for some reason uh, it would be very much uh, asked for and requested to also bring back the chicken karage halal chicken karage they used to have it but no longer so yeah i wouldn't say it's that healthy but still it was very much delicious (laughs) how about taco rice uh is it rice with octopus or
1: oh that's a pretty cool question <laughs> hey this is an international university right so taco rice is about a, they call it taco rice because there's because it has salsa so mm-hmm. they think it's mexican food but it's not it's just rice with a little bit of lettuce a cheese and a green meat I think is they use uh, beef meat. So mm-hmm. it's the closest thing that you have to, um, let's say, Western or Latin uh, flavored food. So uh, for, for us in Latin America, it was really nice to go to the cup cafeteria and uh, ask for the taco rice. At uh, the hair that they, they had it for a while here in, 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 in APU, but then they stopped uh, uh, bringing it in. I don't know why. Mm. Uh, but that taco rice is more like it, it has some Mexican salsa that's it but well, that's why they call it taco rice it's
0: okay kind of so marketing something similar to tacos Mexican tacos then not the octopus a... in Japanese
1: yeah not the octopus um, not the animal okay. the, the little guy with a lot of arms no I just taco, <laughs> Mexican taco
0: thank okay. you yeah. all right yeah. thanks for enlightening us on that Um, maybe we can jump into the main part of our uh, of our conversation today so and we would like to dive into your academic uh, background as well as current academic interests and uh, and what you're involved in currently um, academic research so let's start with how you came to become a professor or how did you make a decision to join academia how was it like
1: yeah there's a there's a story so you know at the beginning when i was undergrad i wanted to be a video game designer i wanted to make video games and uh, i love programming but actually i study electronic engineer i'm an engineer um i i For some reason I was doing robots, then I I like software uh, because I think with software, you can create anything that you want, whatever thing is in your mind, you can do it with software and then it can help people. And because also I'm lazy and software helps to automate tasks. So there you go. I can do anything and automate anything I want if I just have the creativity to put it in the software. So that's why I like software. And then I wanted to do video games because I thought they were fun. Uh, I graduated and I went to a company that was making video games. Uh, um, I did video games for one year. And then I felt empty because I was creating actually a, uh, it was a, a digital marketing company. So we were creating games to engage uh, people with brands. So the main aim was to get two people to to get to know the brands and buy more things. So I was saying, so I'm creating games for people to buy things that maybe they don't need. So it felt felt like wrong, I think for me. I mean, that was my opinion at that moment. So I wanted to do something else. And because again, I'm lazy, eh, I wanted to do more by doing less. And then I thought maybe management can help me do that because I saw that my bosses were like leading teams and they were kind of, I don't know, influencing more people you know technical in the technical sense we only could create stuff but managers were able to use that stuff to do things so you say huh maybe the manager ma- management field will be something that i can integrate with my technical skills to do something better so i started to look for things that were of my interest and i found that a uh, management of technology was connected with R and D, research and development and i like to create things uh, but i wanted to know management so i went there management of technology and then i did my master uh, this is a, an interesting point because when i was doing my master i actually became connected with research uh, because they were going to give me a scholarship so i i did a research part-time and they paid for my tuition and while doing research part-time i was able to partake in projects so that was kind of you I had to find my own source of income by doing projects, research projects. So it was like a crazy learning experience. And, and I liked, I like, I started to like research in that moment. Uh, and I was able to connect with what I wanted actually it was, uh, to learn techniques, methodologies, concepts, uh, that were connected with science, uh, making policies for science and technology. How to use science and technology for the wealth of people to help uh, societies to optimize projects, to do more by by doing less. So, oh, okay, this is where I want to be. So I I came uh, there, uh, started to study more about uh, management of technology. Then I connected with IT because I, of course, my background software and and electronic engineer and IT is kind of transversal technology that can be applied everywhere. So then I started to study more everything about management of technology with, related with IT's um, and I did my thesis with uh, small and medium enterprises, like the best practices that they have back there in Colombia. Uh, and one of the findings was that they, they actually needed more IT's uh, to use. And I really enjoyed that also connecting with people and kind of uh, feeling that, or teaching the techniques that we were learning in class we were teaching them to managers of small companies and they found it useful and they were applying that. So it was so cool, that experience. So again, that helped me to, okay, I'm doing more by doing less. So right now I'm just not creating a software. Now I'm teaching people to use the software so they can really get something useful from it. So that's that's kind of the transformation of why I decided to combine with management. Now, why professor? Uh, the, thing, the thing with being a researcher is that is actually, you don't become a researcher because you're gonna make a lot of money. It's more a call uh, to, to, to people that is passionate about learning and, and, and satisfy curiosity. So uh, kind of the best position for us as a researchers is, is to either continue in academia by becoming professor or going to a private company and i really have a problem with private companies because i i i don't like much to be told what to do so so i i my path was definitely academia i wanted to look for more freedom uh, so i can follow the paths that i think are uh, the best for what i want to do in in the end doing more by doing less and teaching is cool i mean you get like uh, if you were able to see um my message for students uh, in my website in APU, I, I think teaching is, is a way to impact new generations. So there there it is. Again, I'm doing more by doing less. You're changing minds. You're, you're kind of sending a message to new generations. So, uh, yeah, like my professor taught me some cool things. I want to keep doing the same kind of, OK, spread the message of uh, you can be yourself. You can reach your full potential. You don't have to feed uh, to do the same that we've been doing before. Uh, yeah, the, there is a lot to talk about co-op and how we're destroying the world right now. So we need to stop that. So this, this kind of, um, uh, the, 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 thing that I think why I, I, I went into, into, into the professor way. So two reasons, basically one, mm-hmm. because it's, it's the best way for us researchers to, to kind of get money at the top of our career. Uh, because it's a way also to to impact more life, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, that is very much enlightening, especially for um, listeners who are deciding on their career and how to make career decisions. And uh, the fact that you uh, reminded us about your uh, about your in person kind of experience in the field before going into academia was also very much useful, I guess, because as far as I also heard from other sources, the person will not understand his or her passion before uh, they uh, try out the thing, right? before they get into the uh, activity themselves. Yeah. yeah. So that is quite interesting and enlightening.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's like something people tell you, follow your heart, but how do you know what your heart wants? <laughs> so, yeah, you need to explore and, and no, mm-hmm. no, that that's the room for for failure. I mean, it doesn't have to be you, you. Maybe you this is not what you want. You try something. This is not what you want. And don't blame yourself. Give yourself a second chance and keep trying. Uh, you're you're going to find it for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: All yeah. right. That is a great piece of advice there. So. Um, And another thing that popped up in my mind was related to the research activities themselves, because uh, they probably require a lot of patience and uh, commitment because it's a long process and you should be writing and sitting in one place and uh, trying to do research. Um, uh, but also it, it probably depends from field to field, how much sedentary uh, research lifestyle, uh, a professor or researcher might have, but how do you cope with that? I mean, uh, do you have to have a lot of patience before going into this field?
1: So, uh, that's interesting because it, 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 depending on person, you kinda, uh, manage the things different. Uh, one, we, one thing we have to fight with a lot is with procrastination. Maybe mm-hmm. all of us have to do, fight with that. But yeah, you need to have, a, to be able to can maintain self-motivation for long times because it takes time and because you're gonna fail many multiple times. So you're gonna be frustrated on the way uh, to validate your hypothesis or to find answers to your questions The methods that you do once, uh, maybe they give you some results, but they are not the best ones. So you have to keep trying, come back again with new methods, with new techniques, new experiments. People is going to criticize you a lot. So that, I mean, if you want to do research to satisfy someone else, then that's not definitely the way. It is it is about yourself, but I think that's that's a, an adventure that you kind of learn about while doing the PhD. But uh, research is is more about about uh, about about yourself. Kind of uh, uh, self motivation is is the most Im- important thing. How do I cope with that? Uh, ah, well, conferences help. Uh, sharing ideas with uh, s- similar minded people, or sharing ideas in general um uh, applying now things in the classroom applying techniques for for the gamification research i'm applying mm-hmm. uh, I, i'm not doing research yet so don't worry students you're not my 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 subjects of experiment but uh, it, it 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 helps uh, when you can apply your research uh, for what you do every day and also um research can help you to inform uh, other people's about things for example my research in entrepreneurship i i actually use it to give advice to my family when they're doing ventures i, I want to do this business so i come and meet with them oh, let's do this let's, let's think about what you want to do first That that, that, that speak uh, so it's 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 kind of using what you learn how do i cope with that using what i learn um uh, um sharing with other people uh, and always keep keep my sights on the on the big picture in why i'm doing this self-motivation and why i'm i'm doing this and of course it, it's okay if one day you or one week even weeks sometimes there is even week i don't want to do research at all mm-hmm. i just i need to stop this and i I know I, I, I go uh, to, to, to walk, to, 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 to hike or, or I just sit to watch TV. I don't know, just something different, learn mm-hmm. a new recipe. Right now I want to learn how to, to do this, the, the glass bead uh, kind of thing. I know Miyuki's, I know those things, mm-hmm. they, they, we can do pretty cool pixel art with that. So I, I want to learn how to do that. Uh, so that, that. That thing so there are different several ways uh, you guys are not alone uh, there and uh, there are many ways that we can cope with that yeah, we can mm-hmm. even use therapy. it's not it's not bad yeah
0: yeah all right so uh, moving on to the next question uh, we would like to also know a bit more about your educational background uh, we heard oh, okay. that you studied both in your home country as well as uh, here in Tokyo, Tokyo Tech, one of the most um, uh, famous tech universities all over the world, I, I believe. So yeah. how was your experience in terms of that?
1: Right, right. So in Colombia, it was it was it was nice. I kind of learned about uh, human relationships and all, all of that in my context in, back in my country and then uh, the phd here in japan it was always a dream to come to japan and for me also a dream to do a phd so i kind of combined them both and actually i chose side it was it was actually a lucky guess because i was more interested in the sensei i mean just like in sensei i actually kind of stalked her res- uh, uh, research i was thinking about ritsumeikan actually ritsumeikan uh, tai tech and todai those three had very good mot programs uh, but Miyazaki sensei got me because she was uh, she actually she was Japanese and actually lived outside Japan in UK. So I thought that she was going to understand more my position as an international student. She had a very interesting topic of research. So I chose her as my uh, I'm a tutor and she was in tech. So that's how I got to uh, actually uh she had been in another university maybe a, a, two two important things were that the curriculum and the and the professor the mm-hmm. curriculum had to align with what I wanted and the professor had to align with what i what I was and what what I wanted um mm-hmm. that, that was a yeah the experience right the experience uh studying in Japan you, you also asked me about that right mm-hmm. So right, so the beginning, I think you guys might be, uh, maybe I don't connect with you, but at least my experience, the first year was crazy. I I was happy all the time. Even though the the food was bad, I wanted to go and get a shampoo and I got a conditioner because I couldn't read Katakana. Uh, I didn't know where to find stuff. It was crazy. It was going to be my first winter outside because in Colombia, we don't have winter. So here was going to be my first winter. I was super scared, but some of the lab mates helped me finding clothes and how to deal with the winter. Still, it was really tough for me. Uh, So first year is full of kind of ups and downs, Uh, but mostly we're happy because the new country is Tokyo, you know, one of the coolest city in the world and all that. Um, Then the second year is not that fun because then you start missing things. Then you start realizing that Japan is a really special country and Japanese are really special people. So we need connections. So, of course, you start building your, your circle with international friends, but it's still not the same. Uh, then you start struggling with, okay, you, do, you, you actually have to do research. Not only you came here for fun, uh, in this case study, you have to study and you have to deal with that. And you also have to deal with yourself because there is no one else for you, right? It's only you. So a lot of things start to shock. Uh, so second year, third year start to be more tricky. And then when you're close into graduation, then that's, that's another tricky part. Are you going to stay here? Are you going to do everything that is needed to stay here? Are you going to go back? Uh, all those kind of things. So there's a lot of challenge, I think, uh, as the uh, as the international student experience. Uh, but in the end, it helps, it helped me grow, grow uh, to the person I am today. I'm kind of happy that I experienced all that. Uh, so it was pretty cool from the human perspective, uh, in the, in the technical perspective, you know, uh, I, I was one of the best universities in tech, like you said. so I was expecting to see robots and, and kind of things flying around campus and solar panels and all that. There is solar panels. There, there are robots. They have a pretty cool competition on, on, on water purple cars, and there is also even uh, some prosthetics uh, competitions in in the campus. Uh, so it, it was not what I expected, but it still was it was better, better maybe in a, in another sense. And of course, interna- living and sharing with other international students so cool. There is so much learning. Different views of, of of life, so I, I don't know I w- I will uh, uh, my, at least my approach was kind of let's talk about sensible uses, issues with everyone. I mean uh, the apartheid in South Africa, what people in South Africa really thinks about that racism with uh, 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 with people in South Africa. Sometimes we uh, one day we even did a, 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 a we shared ideas about Wakanda. Was it Black Panther racist movie, or was it cool? Uh, so this kind of stuff, uh, we, we were uh, talking about it then about food. Uh, I, I halal. we had this, this uh, friend, we, he, he played with us while they were doing Ramadan, we were like, you crazy. You cannot drink water. And, and we were playing football from like three to six. So he did not drink water. What's going on with you guys? Crisis. So we spoke about that too. Mm. So in the end, after he after he finished the match at six, uh, well, by the time that uh, they, they can they are allowed to to drink, he, he just takes himself to the to the to the to the water. It mm. was super. But that the thing is, I mean, you get to experience a lot of things, different point of view. So that's pretty cool. Uh, the international uh, student experience.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you mentioned about social uh, issues and social aspects of your study experience serves as a nice segue to our uh, next question related to your own research in inclusive education and uh, the role of gamification in it. So could you please uh, talk a bit more about what inclusive education is and uh, the role of gamification in it and probably how it relates to entrepreneurship?
1: Good, good. Thank you for that question. So, yeah, researchers, that, that's something that you cannot ask researchers. Tell me about your research because we can speak like for hours. <laughs> so <laughs> you did. So you did. You, you took that way. But I will try to be concise here. So inclusive education, this is a very broad concept and it kind of came important after the release of the SDGs so it was important before actually people uh, were trying to make education more inclusive uh, this is for um, countries and institutions that deal with international students kind of thing so you have language education and a uh, multicultural education and all those fields uh, involved also uh, professionals that have to deal with a uh, with different cultures so you'll have nurses that have to work with a uh, with a uh, patients that are from different countries they have different cultures so you need to know there's even different representations to 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 what happened with blood uh, uh around the world so that that's uh, that's something that people need to be aware of uh so this 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 inclusive education was happening before it became stronger with the sdgs and what it means it's kind of an umbrella term to 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 make uh, education more humane, uh, to be more sensible and empathetic with uh, everyone's, not only your own country, but everyone, all the world's uh, kind of uh, needs and views and perspective. And of course, uh, this is uh, like so beautiful an utopia, but it's hard because we cannot really, uh, it's, it's really ambitious to kind of comp- uh, make everyone happy. So that's why research is done about this to kind of find out what works what doesn't work what are the best techniques uh, that can help us to to make this a reality so it's not like okay inclusive education has the solution no people is looking into how uh, can we get closer to that uh, now uh, yeah we want to bring this inclusive education to everywhere workplaces uh, uh classrooms uh training uh places uh, everyone everywhere where uh, you you can uh you you're going to educate or teach someone uh and and yeah all spaces basically but there is a challenge and i think you guys might be more familiar than me with a lot of uh, social movements uh, white privilege, uh discrimination of minority, uh unconscious biases, uh language justice. So all these issues what have uh taught us or kinda have opened our eyes to, to 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 how difficult is this uh is is this about reaching something that is inclusive because we have been kinda growing in our bubbles we have been, uh, we have been born in our context. So for us, our realities are, are, are part of those contexts are being created in those contexts. So when we see something different or someone from a different reality, different values, different culture, different religion, then we cannot really, uh, understand well, or kind of be in the other person's step because we have been growing up in different contexts. So that's why it's, it's not that easy. Uh, you can even uh, go back to all sayings in your in your country. Uh, these things that the grandmas and grandpas say, those are generalization of experience. And 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 this thing about the roles of, of female, about guys are stronger than than uh, than girls, about uh, kids or, or or males always fight each to other is good for them to fight. Or they're stronger they shouldn't cry all those stuff are actually biased that have been built over over uh, over the time and that's why we need uh, it's it's not easy to break the ice to reach inclusivity because people doesn't really realize that we're not being inclusive Uh, and that's why gamification comes in 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 there because researchers kind of have been struggling to find ways to break bias, to make people open their eyes to their own bias and to their own uh, conceptions of, of life. And when you bring new conceptions, it's really difficult to change mindset that have been uh, placed there since you were kids. Like, okay, now, uh, you're going to tell me that, uh, I know, uh, kids can cry. No, I'm going to take my kid this week, but you, in your logic, in your mind, you think that happened to me with my baby. Actually, I, I even though I'm doing research in inclusivity in your mind, you, you think that uh, for him crying is, 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 is okay in your mind, in your logic, but when you see him crying, you think, oh, he's awake. that, that's so weird. Uh, so that's why it's really difficult uh, and challenging to change this mindset. And gamification comes as a tool for that. And uh, with gamification, what uh, researchers want to get from from this, or at least we, I, I, in the team, in the research, is that with gamification, you can engage humans in an activity. And you can, by this engagement, you can make them get more uh, connected with some knowledge or something that you want to, to give them. Uh, it's like when you play games you get like hooked into the story or hooked into the dyna- the dynamics or or machinations of the game so this is the same you want people to get hooked with the content you want them to learn and and even now uh, there is a uh, uh, um the transformative uh, games that look for creating change in your habits and way of thinking by playing games that this that's uh, kinda new, uh, a new a uh, new trend that is going on there so gamification uses psychology, and transformative uh, games use uh, also uh, neuroscience to help people uh, to change behaviors or to, to 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 do different things. And we in this research we want to tap into these tools from games, psychology, and neuroscience to help people to break bias and to 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 make classroom more inclusive. So that's uh, how this uh, gamification and inclusive education relationship works. Uh, And that's what we're looking into.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks a lot for that comprehensive introduction for your field. And uh, it is very much interesting how it can uh, play a big role in the society, uh, how it can make changes and uh, drive for improvements um, you also mentioned that uh, y- you can also give some consulting uh, for the private companies in the example of your own family business. So, oh,
1: right.
0: how would uh, inclusive education or gamification be related to entrepreneurship?
1: Right, right. So, in that sense, in that sense, it was well. The inclusivity goes connected with leaders of, of tomorrow that we want to create. Uh, and that goes connected with what I was saying at the beginning of being professor, the why of being professor. Uh, this is an hypothesis that I have in mind that I share with everyone is that a uh, business of uh, today. Um, you know, when I was when I was in the private companies, uh, the, the, my CEO, my manager always told me business is different from academia In business. You have to be sometimes an asshole in business. You need to make decisions fast. In business, not everyone's gonna win. Da 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 da, and you have theories that tells you about that. Uh, some theories that uh, actually speak about uh, a non-zero sum games, but uh, you know, most most of the of the idea of business is that is this could throughout uh, only the best wins and and a monopoly kind of thing and and espionage and all all of those weird stuff. And I think maybe that's or reality right now that could be and, and definitely so reality right now we we see that a lot of conflict and stuff are, are created because of this mentality so my hypothesis is that this happens because we haven't found a, a better way of doing things why because resources are limited because if if you i mean in 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 this kind of um limited resources um, world in world we live in uh, we are kind of uh, we get we think people think that you're successful if you are able to accumulate more if you get more from other people, but I think that that's maybe basic principles that that lead and, and move the entire system to become non-sustainable So my hypothesis is that if we kind of give or, or find out ways business models that are actually sustainable. Business models where you can get wealth, but not only you, but other people also can wealth. Things that are actually giving back, uh, then then things could be better. I mean, this is my hypothesis that not all managers are bad per se, or are selfish per se. Is that tools, theories, and everything they have learned is like that? So if if you if everything you've learned is 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 telling you to be greedy, to be selfish then you're going to definitely end up like that so inclusivity if we have that into account for business education and for entrepreneurship then we might be able to help entrepreneurs to 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 find different ways of 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 creating businesses and and giving back to to society so that's kind of the hypothesis a lot of people tell me that's too much positive who knows? It's not, not going to change, but I think it's going to change. If you can still make money and you're generating good uh, return to your society, then why not? Right. That, that's what I believe. So that in inclusivity and gamification is precisely uh, to help in engagement to with this, with this, uh, with these ideas uh, in the sense of entrepreneurship is to, to make it more friendly, more accessible because people, uh, with with new topics when you're learning something new it becomes a little bit diff, difficult in in a in a business school context or in a training context it become new things for us to learn new things sometimes it become difficult so gamification will help uh, students and teacher to make uh, this learning process more fun and more engaging so it's about that it's about making learning uh, a more effective And fun activity for professors and and students.
0: Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah. So, uh, especially for the students of uh, College of International management, as well as our new College of Sustainability, your insights about how uh, sustainability and social corporate responsibility can be tied into entrepreneurship will probably be very much helpful, especially in deciding their future in business and in sustainable business, especially. Thanks a lot for that. And uh, moving on to uh, the next question, we would like to also ask how inclusive education uh plays out within our university within apu at what stage Mm -hmm. of inclusive education are we and uh Mm -hmm. do you see inclusive education uh at apu and in general what are your thoughts on that
1: yeah so there is one thing that i liked here and kind of caught me in a shock it was shocking for me at the beginning Uh, that at least for 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 disabled disabled uh, students, we have stuff. And, and what I like about this is that it's, it's, it's emerging and, I, and normally when things are emerging, the idea is that they don't work. But in here in APU it was actually the contrary because it's, it's more on demand and because it's on demand, there are no protocols. So basically they're going to cater the needs of the students that have a special condition. So that was actually uh, uh, surprising, positively surprising for me. Uh, I heard about a case uh, of of a student that actually other students volunteered to help them with class uh, because of the of, of that student limitation. Uh, it, it became a, a a really cool thing because the, the administrative staff were involved, the students themselves were involved and in the end the professor and the whole class was involved in that uh, in that uh, process of of uh, helping the student and also in my classes i have i have i have uh, cases where the office actually let me knows about a student with a special needs and they tell me please uh, you are allowed because of course we have legal obligations so they tell me you are allowed to do this 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 this, this that uh, because of these student conditions and so First, it's cool for me to know in advance, so I can adapt uh, my class and, um, and everything I, I want to, to do in interactions and everything with the students. And it's cool because the institution is aware that we have to do something about it. So uh, in summary, it will be that APU is doing something uh, in some dimensions. Uh, however it uh, seems uh, i'm new i am new and i don't know all the students and all the things going on in the university. i cannot tell or, or make like a, a, a general assessment i can only speak about what i know and what i know is that uh, APU is is scattering for for a uh, with special needs uh, and they do it they do it well i think in in some in some cases yeah
0: hmm i see thanks a lot um And probably most of the listeners and students at APU know uh, gamification to some extent is also related to the experiential learning, which is the base for MCW class multicultural uh, workshop that all the first year students kind of are actually expected to take one of the uh, obligatory credits that we have. So, uh, right there, we also have some of the games involved in the class in order to better engage Japanese-based students to English-based students. So, what do you think about that class and how gamification plays within that class? Have you you probably have had a chance to uh, to talk about such sort of a class? Mm.
1: Yeah. So sure, sure. I uh, actually was lucky. I met uh, Misa Fiduichi-sensei, who is now leading that. Uh, and and actually, I had talks with her about this because um, we went into a, a workshop about about this multicultural, multilingual education. And and there was this result that was, again, shocking for me. Many things shocked me because I like to learn. So there was this thing or syllabus that it says what are you doing for uh, inclusive and multicultural teaching and normally all of professors we we write there we're gonna make groups multicultural groups and with that we kind of wash our hands and say yeah that's multicultural teaching then i spoke with Mrs. sensei i saw the workshop and there was this piece of research that said just putting them together is not going to work you need to have activities. You need to have an intention behind uh, 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 putting together, a, um, creating multicultural and multilingual spaces for them to work, mm-hmm. uh, for them to actually become useful, not not a, a constraint. And then Misa Sensei explained to me that what they do in the MCW, like all these activities to break the ice, to improve teamwork and to to kind of highlight everyone's strengths and all that. And, uh, I think, I thought it was cool. It was cool. And, 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 and here, here actually have a question for the students. Mm -hmm. When I learned that everyone in, you know, APU, right? Multicultural campus, multicultural, this is one of the skills that you guys are going to get when you get out. And that's one of the differentiators of APU kind of one of the advantages that you have because of this, uh, international environment. So, and then I come to my class and I make international, I mean, multicultural multilingual groups and they don't work. And I was asking why all of them spend one, one semester studying MCW. So what what's happening? Can, can you guys tell me, by the way, I'm doing research about this to find out what's going on with Misa sensei. So all your answers are going to help me <laughs> help us actually.
0: Mm. Hmm. So from what I guess, uh, students, or at least in my case, uh, we try to get into similar sort of uh, cultural environment within a group. We try to make groups with people of the same cultural background with us, just for the sake of Uh, having the teamwork run more smoothly and more quickly. Um, Because as you know, students have many classes and aside from that, they have part-time job and everything. So in a sense, (laughs) students are also quite busy, I would say. And in order to accelerate the process of uh, finishing that group work or having easier group work would be the cause for uh, avoiding avoiding to have a multicultural environment and probably also another reason could be uh the grade uh, which is the motivating factor for us to to be involved in the teamwork so as we are focusing on the grade and having a good grade so we also want to build a group with uh, people who we can trust, who we can uh, talk smoothly, interact smoothly and quickly. So probably those are the two barriers or causes.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Good. I mean, interesting. So efficiency is one, I kind of just for things to flow. And the other one is this, I think this concept of uh, the idea of trust. So you know who you're gonna be working with somehow, mm. but it's interesting why with the in the quality. I mean, not in efficiency. Definitely, a multicultural multilingual uh, group is gonna ha- take more time to start like a learning curve. But then, what you learn in MCW is that multicultural multilingual are actually going to give you a high quality work, isn't it?
0: Yes, yes, agree. Uh, A very much uh, diverse outcome, uh, more perspectives to the piece of work that you produce. There are a lot of benefits, I would say. Um, However, those things uh, related to familiarity, trust, as you mentioned, probably overshadow at times. Uh, But those things probably need to be overcome need to be uh, overstepped because we probably also tend to stay within our comfort zone,
1: which is what we
0: like, right? So probably stepping out of it and trying something new, listening to a new perspective is probably challenging. But if the classes are designed in a way that encourages that or even rewards students for that, probably that can play out even better.
1: Okay, cool. That's a good point. Thank you. So, yeah, we, I, I do know about AMCW and, and, uh, this kind of things is what we're looking for because we know that all APU students pass through that and we want, we were wondering why they were not, uh, kind of seeing the value or actually uh, was not reflected in all, in all the groups, some groups do it, uh, but it's not being reflected in all the groups that are created in, in, the, in, in the classes. And, um, uh, and, and the other thing was the activities also, we were also wondering why they don't use the activities to break the ice. Now I know a little bit more, of course you find it, uh, maybe it Takes time. Why are you going to waste time into this if it's not going to improve my grades and all that. So because of that, actually, maybe it's going to be self-promotion here. Uh, we're actually, uh, kind of, uh, involving now TAs the the data ta's or, or regular ta's into into this kind of mcw boosting work groups uh, dynamics in my classes so ha if you take my classes you're gonna see new stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> so we we're, we're doing this kind of thing to help groups uh, take time into that and um, now with this feedback maybe i will, I will get into into some link with group work and and scoring, kind of designing activities to make this work better.
0: Mm -hmm. That is so exciting, Professor. Thanks a lot. Probably for those innovative approaches, your classes probably are one of the most uh, popular classes at APU, I would say. Yeah, thanks a lot uh, for your drive to innovate, to get better all the time. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Uh, We are running out of time, but uh, we have uh, probably one more question on the academic part of our uh, conversation today. So what do you think we can do to improve uh, education or inclusive education within APU? It probably also relates a lot to our previous uh, question and uh, uh, conversation a bit. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I think, the first thing. Uh, this this is super broad because there is so many stakeholders. So you have administrative office, you have professors, you have students, uh, you have a uh, also even 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 parents of students, uh, even the cafeteria is involved in this. So mm-hmm. we we can do we can do uh, many things because inclusivity is, is an education is not only about the classroom it's about the whole experience that you have uh, in, in 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 the campus and, and in in in, in the APU yes. so even from the website <laughs> yes. we could, we could start uh, uh, improving and, um, and 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 being being aware of of inclusivity you know designs with uh, that are friendly for colorblind uh fonts that are f- friendly with uh, maybe visual uh, limited people all, all this stuff so this question is kind of broad so i'm going to focus maybe on professors mm-hmm. so from the professor's point of view what we can uh, start improving is maybe speaking more with students and asking mm-hmm. them about a uh, do they feel included in classes how can we uh, make them feel more easy i mean how can we make them feel more at ease in our classes what uh, because everyone has different ways of expressing ideas everyone has different learning uh, kind of techniques and methods so maybe for professors one thing that we can start doing is that asking students about their learning needs uh, and, 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 and their learning preferences and try to cater as much as possible to that uh, read, we have to read we have to get out of our bubbles, we have to get out of our, our, our comfort zones mm-hmm. uh, it's not definitely easy for everyone so that's why it's a systematic problem because then when professors are not willing, then administrative office, then you need some enforcement to, to motivate professors to move there uh, and and i talk about this because it's a reality uh, we, i cannot be blind that you know everyone is willing to to put more effort uh, if, if you don't really have to uh, so definitely uh, that i will say the professors then it connects with other things um, but yeah i think we should speak more with uh, students who are based uh, definitely then or final clients of teaching
0: mm-hmm. all no. right yeah so it means uh, the each step of education each uh, aspect of education needs to have inclusivity uh within itself or inclusivity included in itself then coming from your answer all right so going back to uh, your own experience in japan as well as Uh, in your life back in colombia probably we can um ask uh, a question related to traveling so do you have any uh unique traveling experience or do you have any advice when it comes to traveling in uh, south america specifically Mm colombia so uh that would be very much appreciated yeah
1: good yeah so interesting travels yeah I, I had interesting travels it also depends on the definition of interesting uh, but in colombia then I'll, I'll focus more in, in students who want to go to colombia so the thing with colombia is that uh, it, it's gonna blow your mind if you go to colombia and depending on the city that you go it's gonna be different people say this is dangerous but i don't think it's dangerous than any other big city uh you cannot go out late at night Uh, you should not go showing flashy and expensive stuff in the streets i think uh, this is the fun thing because for me that's common sense (laughs) (laughs) i don't do that even here in japan Uh, for example one thing that happens and we think it's normal in colombia or at least in my in my home city if you have your cell phone and start to move your cell phone away Someone in a motorbike can take it away from you. Oh. Not because they want to steal it. Just because what you're doing is foolish. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? No one does that, at least in Colombia. So that, that's the, the kind of dangerous. People is going to mock you if they see you with a gold watch. If mm-hmm. they see you with a diamond necklace, people is going to mock you. I mean, definitely. Uh, it won't happen, of course, in public places. It won't happen of course in the day so it's it's just to not to do maybe reckless things uh, for traveling in Colombia so or in Colombia and in South America uh, so the advice will be uh, prepare in advance have everything prepared in advance uh, try to avoid uh, shady places uh, if you have contacts or friends uh, back in the country where you want to go it's better to meet with them so they can help you. Even though if you know the language of you think that English is enough, it's better to have a person in, in there to, to, to guide you or to help you. Kind of like an emergency contact. Uh, have insurance, definitely. Uh, uh, health insurance is super important for your tribes. Uh, don't drink water from the hoose. I mean, not directly, just buy bottled water. You don't want to get a uh, stomach ache or, or, or diarrhea in a country where you're not familiar with things. Uh, food from the street. Be picky. You can explore, but be picky about it. Uh, kind of treat the environment where you're going to be buying food from the street. And then make your choices. Also, uh, by nightlife. Be smart about it. Don't get drunk with people you don't trust. Uh, be always with a safe group. Uh, it's, it's good if you travel with someone you trust, so that, that that's also nice. They, they can take pictures for you, <laughs> and you're gonna have memories to share with someone after everything is done. Uh, and and that's it. Normally, uh, like oh, again, like oh, in in the whole world, most of the people is good, but you of course might find some bad people, so you have to take care about that. Uh, so maybe, maybe that, that uh, those could be my advices uh-huh. uh, if, if you plan to, to travel to South America. Now for interesting uh, travel experience, I really enjoy um, a road trip I did to Izu Peninsula with my friends uh-huh. uh, when I was living in Tokyo. That was cool. We, we went for two nights in car and we slept in, in, in tents. The the cool thing was that we didn't know it was illegal in Japan just to place your tent and sleep anywhere. So we were kind of sleeping in the beach and that was illegal. (laughs) Uh, We slept in a reservoir kind of in the woods and that was illegal. We didn't know that was illegal, but no one caught you. It was because it was in Akka. So basically no one was looking. So that was a cool trip. If you're going to take a tent, make sure take a tent and you're going to come make sure that your tent is strong because. We the the wind blowed the tent up. It was raining, and we had to sleep in the car. And it was horrible experience. Yeah, there was mosquitoes. There was rain, uh, and then when we were stuck in the car, we could not open the windows. So you imagine that. We were five guys in a car. People fighting. It was horrible. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. So that was that was actually a fun experience. A lot of ex- things to remember. We even got lost driving in the woods by following google maps it was horrible but it was nice so that was a, a really nice experience
0: i see uh traveling within japan or around japan is uh, a very good experience i would say if people have commitment and time as you mentioned there can be uh, a lot of bonding and fun uh, moments yeah. so and uh, as a closing remark but we are very um we, are, uh, we would continue our conversation if we had more time, definitely, because it was going uh, even more and more interesting with every question we were going with professor. Uh, but uh, in the interest of time and in respect of professor's time, we would probably go on to close the episode and uh, as a closing remark professor would you please uh, give us some general advice for us students in terms of career uh, or studies or life or anything that you'd like to say
1: right so basically it's enjoy your time and this by enjoy time I mean uh, I know you guys are are ha- everyone has different contexts everyone have different needs back home everyone has different needs here in 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 japan and everyone of course have different dreams Uh, so a general advice for everyone is to have fun to enjoy whatever you do if you're going to do vitals do vitals that you can enjoy Do vitals that maybe are going to be related with what you want to do when you work Do vitals do activities extracurricular things that makes you feel uh, makes you feel motivated that you think that might help you in the future for something, maybe because you're knowing someone, maybe because you're learning a skill you want to learn, maybe because they just make you happy and they might help you to de-stress, uh, do that. It's basically being present. Don't let uh, the wind take you, you know, like when you are not really there and, and you just do things because of doing things. Just Just be present uh in your choices of using the time and hopefully uh by by being present i mean is try to to listen to to your heart to the things that motivate you and that uh, you think are going to 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 help you grow uh, uh in general there'll be a, a general advice uh, for those of you who are uh, looking into getting into companies then it's basically the rule if you want to work in japan you must focus in your Japanese skills. Definitely. Like there is no like business way. Lena, no, they're going to take me because I'm good. Just focus on Japanese. Do that. It's going to help you. If you want to work here, Uh, maybe some people are able to find a way me as a, as a student from Latin America, I wasn't able, maybe if you're from us or other countries, maybe you will be chosen just because where you're from and that happens. There is bias in selection, and not. I, I mean, I'm gonna say it out loud because we actually did experiments back in our student life. Uh, we went to clubs, and we introduced ourselves to to ladies. From being from countries of different countries, like when you introduce that you're from Colombia, you get one type of conversation. But when I introduce myself from being from Italy, uh, Italia, then you have different types of conversation. I was like, what? So that was an experiment so i'm telling you bias is there uh, in the society japanese society bias is there so just learn your japanese do your 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 homework in in the requirements that they they need for you to to kind of uh, get into a japanese work then if you want to go back to your country then you basically are, are whatever you do here is good uh, don't forget to get your contacts back home to to work in parallel what you're learning here in Japan, keep in contact back home. Keep uh, projects running, or at least some small extracurricular activities to keep your your contacts uh, alive. For when you come back, you you're gonna be uh, easily uh, transitioning into the workplace. Uh, and if you're, uh, of course, choose good mentors uh, in the the university. I I I in here I cannot be biased. I really have to tell there is uh, I think a good selection of good professors here in APU. Uh, so depending on what you want to do, choose good mentors. Uh, they are a- available. I mean, yeah, I-, I won't say names because then I have to say mine. So I won't say, <laughs> there are good professors uh, that can help you. Uh, that will be, the, actually the coach is good for a- everyone. Then for, uh, if you're interested in academy or research, then you don't have to worry so much about Japanese because uh, research is more international. And depending on the university you want to get into, then uh, you have to think more about where you want to go. So if you want to do a grad school here in Japan, there are some grad schools that allow you to study in English. There are some others that you need to the Japanese. So if you want to do a grad school, for example, in Todai, uh, for some programs, you need a Japanese. Uh, the same for tech So then the Japanese becomes relevant. But then if you have the English, then you can go to other countries. Boom. So that's the thing. If you want to focus on research, it's more about technical, about getting research skills, about going to conference, about getting involved in research from early, early, early time. So you, you can get into how you can learn about how this works and you can start meeting people. Network is important for everyone. So if you go research, get familiar with networking in research through a coach and, and uh, a professor or, or, or someone who is passionate about research. If you go to companies, then find a professor, find a coach that is into that. Uh, and of course, again, if it is international, an international professor, if it is local, then a Japanese professor will be a kind of the, the thing. Getting in touch with your senpais, always ask. That's something I didn't do as a student. I didn't ask other students how the life was in, in the lab I wanted to go. I didn't ask when I wanted to work. To current workers, how the the employee environment employment environment was. So ask senpais, and alumni nice, of the company you want to go, of the university you want to go, ask them. What do they think? How is it? How has been your experience? All oh, that that's important. It won't take you time. Normally people replies. Uh, I think that's it. I don't know if we still have time, but I will I will I will I will leave it there because I know how we are in. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: We are very much grateful for uh, you, Professor, for you being generous with your time uh, for our episode. And definitely, uh, dear listeners, please check out all of the uh, practical pieces of advice that Professor gave. Take note of those and uh, be mindful of those and try to use them all. And we can wrap up. Thanks a lot. And see you in our next collaborations.